You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 87, part 2. The first part of this episode, I had Stefan Sepkowiak on. He is the co-owner of Miracle Farms in southwest Quebec. He is the subject of the documentary uh, entitled The Permaculture Orchard Beyond Organic, which was released in 2014. And also he's featured in the more recent documentary entitled La Terre du Corps. I don't think it's available in English, uh, but translated that means Earth Seen from the Heart 2018 release. He also has an excellent YouTube channel. If you look up his name, you can check out the show notes for details on all of this. Um, his YouTube channel, uh, excellent YouTube channel, excellent content. Uh, he's a biologist, landscape architect. In the first half of the show, I asked him all kinds of questions about growing fruit trees. And in the second half of this podcast, he's answering the questions that the viewers all put in on my Facebook page. Thank you, everyone, for asking these questions. He does a very thorough job of answering them, and I enjoyed putting them to him. So have a listen and enjoy. Uh, okay, now we'll get on to the viewer questions here. If, if, if we still have some, if we still got time, you still got time for us? Yeah, let's okay. go. Uh, so this is from. Uh, these are all from fate last night. This is all just from last night. Last night I put a post on Facebook said, "Hey, I've got uh, Stefan Savkowiak coming on. Uh, and everybody, uh, anybody got any questions for him? I, you know, I put a little promo type thing there, and everybody knew who you were, and they had lots of questions. So the first one's from Jean Alcock, and she says. Um, the question about how to plant, prune, and keep branches down to a level where you can pick the fruit without a ladder. Um, she says in Nova Scotia, but I, I don't think that the context really matters. Um, and that's actually what I try to do in my garden is keep them the height I want them. So what would you, uh, what advice would you give for someone that has that goal? I would say the first thing depends on shade, because if your tree on the low branches is too shaded, they will die out. So you, you're going to have a hard time keeping those branches if you don't prune the top of the tree you have to prune or if for... you don't prune big trees. In a, in a garden, the problem is often you're trying to do something, but you've got these monster maple trees, you know, next door or something. In a yard, sometimes it's not obvious. It's some of the most challenging situations. Uh, so the first thing is try to make sure that tree has, like lawn, uh, at least eight hours of sun. In some cases, I'd say, you know what? That tree isn't in the right situation. Uh, you're going to always have problems. Your tr fruit will always tend to go up on the tree because in, I've seen cases where the tree is planted right next to a big cedar hedge on the on the to the south of the fruit tree. Well, mm. the bottom branches are totally in the shade most of the day, except in you know June, July. Yeah. So that's not going to give trees that will produce low down. So you, first of all, your, your every branch has to be able to be getting eight hours of sun minimum. So you have to prune it with that in mind, like open the tree up. Um, and right. I would watch, and, watch a lot of pruning videos. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're working on a film on pruning because there's oh. a lot of videos, but I was very fortunate in 2009. I got to learn with, I consider two of the, the absolute, best in the world on pruning at uh, two guys from France and France is so far ahead of us in really? their knowledge of pruning because their minimum wage was up 25 years ago. So their farm workers, they said, Hey, there's no way we can spend 40 hours per acre pruning. Like it's, it thro totally throws the economics. So they needed examples and ways of 
of growing an orchard without spending that amount of time pruning. Okay. So these two guys and they had been re- they were researchers and they really put in the work and they were geniuses. Uh, Doctor uh, Jean Marie Lespinas and uh, Michel Rameau Grillem. They were incredible. Uh, so anyway, learning from them and basically the yeah the, the whole basics of pruning. A lot of it has to do with branch angle. Like if you understand branch angle and you saw it, I talk about it in the film, it's just that whole idea. And if you want to get one thing about pruning that will simplify forever your pruning understanding is they would say, and they said it time and again and again, they'd say, do you want a tree? And imagine this is the trunk here and these are the branches. He says, do you want a tree? So if your branches are like this, pointing like a Y or even steeper, says you've got a tree it's going to grow like a tree it's going to grow tremendous amount of wood or they said do you want a fruit tree and then they put their arms down you know like Mm. this yes so the fruit tree means the branches are below shoulder level if you stood up yeah so that's the difference and he he had done years of observation on fruit trees and he found that hey a tree can grow puts out a small branch the branch can be angled up but as soon as it has a few fruit, it starts to bend. And the second year, it goes more. And by the third year, it's below horizontal. And mm-hmm. that's when it really enters its, its big production. So a tree doesn't care. It will produce branches or it will produce fruit. It's up to you to choose. Now, if you look at your tree in the winter, it's easy. Your tree is naked and it shows exactly how the branches are structured. So I've gone through my orchard some years where my discipline was I can do two cuts per tree, no more. Two? <laughs> two, two. I can make two cuts. I'm not talking two branches. I'm just saying two cuts. So if I want to spend those that time pruning one branch, then I can only make two cuts. So I had to focus on the two most important cuts. And all I was doing was going through my trees, and I'd say, okay, I'm looking for the branch that's the most upright and I would take that one off. So then all I was left with is maybe horizontal branches or right. branches. So all I was doing is getting rid of the, the two branches that were the most upright. I don't care how big they were. In fact, if they were big, then even more reason, because then that's a second principle that if they're more than 50% the diameter of the trunk, then you take them out. Hmm. And so just doing that over two years I completely changed. Like I was... I'm walking through there this morning and I thought this, this orchard block has become so incredibly easy. Like it's crazy how there's so little to do there because there's virtually no suckers. Cause all, when a branch goes below horizontal, it just cannot produce suckers anymore really? unless it's a pear tree. Uh. Pear trees are the exception to that rule, but all other fruit trees, once the branch goes below horizontal, it changes the hormonal, the hormones are different. Uh, uh, when it's growing upright, like when it's like this up, then that's one kind of hormone. But when the branch goes down, the hormone changes. And so anyway, it, it gets rid of its desire to put on wood. It's like, I'm not a wood growing branch. I'm a fruit producing branch. Right. So that energy that would go into producing suckers is completely deflected into energy to put out fruit. For so the- it's, for the home gardener, would it make any sense to, you know, uh, train your branches down, tie strings to them, put weights on them, or, 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 or 
or or um, does it make more sense just to select the branches that have the right angle and, and just work with what the tree is giving you? Or, or both? I would say both because it's always a good luxury to have extra branches. Mm, yes. Like if you have a lot of branches that are below horizontal, that's a, a luxury. Mm. Then you could select the best placed and so on. But yes. That, yes. that's really the, the first key is get your branches below horizontal. Right. And I have a block that I'm using a, a newer technique, which is uh, basically a, a non-pruning technique. And again, I'm, it's my orchard. I can try what I want. So I have a few hundred trees in that orchard that I'm virtually not. The only thing I'm pruning is so that we can actually get through the lanes. Right. But the branches themselves, some of them I look and I go, wow, that it breaks all the rules that I've learned. But that's okay. I'm just watching that. And they're not producing less fruit, but they take a lot less time because already the, there's no pruning. So it's like, wow, I'm getting fruit. They're producing well. And I don't have to do anything to these trees. That's nice. So why is I always that, say, why is that working? Because I mean, the, the everything you read about fruit is you got to prune, you got to prune it. So yeah. what is, I mean, I, I guess this, this would probably take up a lot of, do you, do you have a video on this? Not yet. Not yeah, yet. We, I, I did actually on that one. I do. I have one called the, to prune or not to prune. Okay. That, that prune. is the question, you know, like okay. to yeah, be like or that. not to be. Yes. <laughs> so it's to prune or not to prune. And and basically the, the thesis of that video is if you if you plant the tree as a whip, which is a just a one year, one shoot, you can do that. Because if it's a tree that you buy that's two or three years old from the garden center and it's already been pruned, chances are it won't work very well because that tree has already been messed with in the way it will structure its branches. But if you let that tree express itself naturally, mm -hmm. it will position branches where it needs it as it goes. At worst, you bend a branch here or there, and that's it. Oh, because so, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's finding the sun where it is, where it's going yep. to be. And it's always been, it knows where the sun is. It doesn't really know, but it's, it's, yep. rea it's reacting to the conditions in your growing space from day one. I just planted a whip this year. Yep. Um, was a sweet 16 variety. Uh, never good uh, choice. Supposed to be yep. really good eating. So, uh, um, yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it, it worked really well. I, I did a little video on planting it. I think I, you have a really good segment uh, for those that haven't seen the uh, the uh, permaculture ultra orchard video uh, it does a whole thing on planting trees and and what the soil conditions should be like and the drainage in the soil it's a really good segment i actually think in my garden uh, my soil's too wet i actually had a tree tip over this spring <laughs> from you know, like it's just it's it, it's basically at the base of a hill. So the water comes down the hill and runs along. So I think it is too wet. Um, but I mean, the tree's tree's still alive. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. it's just it is what it is, sort of thing. But uh, alive is not thrive. But <laughs> exactly. In that case, I'd say if you're going to put something, put your small fruit, gooseberry, currants, yeah, uh, and if you wanted to put a fruit tree, the pear trees are the ones that tolerate the most water. Oh, really? Yeah, if well, you want really to go anyway, yeah, it's a watery fruit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just I mean, it'll grow in the heavier clays where the other ones won't do it at all. Mm. If your spectrum is the most tolerant of water is pear, then it would be apple. And then it would be plum. 
and the least tolerant is cherry. Like you try and grow cherry where there's water, it'll just die. Hmm. I mean, we have cherry trees that are dying in our orchard or dying back just because we're watering enough for the apple tree and that's too much for the cherry. I see. Right. And in, in places where they've suckered and they're growing without any irrigation, they're doing great. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you see that the tree is showing you, hey, I don't like getting watered every day. Like right. once every week is plenty. It's right. a cherry tree or once every two weeks. And so anyway, you, that's kind of the spectrum. If you have if you have soil conditions that are challenging for fruit trees, then try pear and some of the small fruit are the ones that will tolerate. I mean, like I say, it's tolerate that they won't go crazy happy with it, but or raise the soil. Raising raise the soil, the soil. works works that. quite well. If you can't find the right site, make the site right. That's, That's exactly it. <laughs> Uh, next question is from Marie Lawson, and she says, uh, I'd love to hear his thoughts and yours. Well, forget about me um, on those uh, multi fruit trees. This is a good question because I've got, actually had so I take that back. I have thoughts on it. Um, I'd like to hear his thoughts and yours on those multi fruit trees. That's like the five tree you can get at the hardware store, at least um, where you get multiple types of apples or sometimes even different fruit uh, grafted under one tree. What do you think about those? I think for a home gardener, they're great right? because you may not have room for two different cultivars and normally the nurseries know which ones will combine. Right. Unfortunately, often they use commercial cultivars on it, which I means know, they're susceptible to disease and so on. I've got you know what a great opportunity would be for somebody to put all disease resistant cultivars and do a three in one. Yes. That would be fantastic. Like you put Sweet 16, you put Nova Spy. And you put uh, Nova Easy Grow, which is or do the three thing. Nova ones, you know, Nova Mac, Nova Easy Grow, and Nova Spy. There right. you go, Nova Scotia, uh, your your provincial uh, agriculture department did a great job of developing yes. some really good disease resistant. I like them all; they're all really nice. And the fact that look, you don't need to spray anything for scab. I'm all I'm all in, like. Give me more of those. Yeah, they're they're great. So yeah, that's a, a good advice. Um, yeah, because the ones I I bought two of these. This one I didn't know. I just said I want to grow apples. Look, I want to have apples. You know, and and this five tree thing. This sounds awesome because there's five different things and they can sure. pollinate each other and all this sort of stuff. Um, but what do I got on there? I got delicious apple, which I hate, <laughs> and they're not delicious. Um, I'm going to offend some people listening, but I can't stand them. Um, the Macintosh, most disease-ridden apple on the planet, um, you know, um, and uh, it's got the, it's got the delicious and the golden delicious. Actually, I don't mind a golden delicious. Golden but, delicious is um, nice. And it's got it. It does have um, um, what's that really good one? Stores extremely well. Usually a bit Honeycrisp. So it's got a honey. It does have a the only apple on the whole tree that I really like is the Honeycrisp, but. What I do not like about these trees is that each branch is a thing. And so when you're pruning and, and you buy them, they're they're five feet high. When you buy them, you got to prune it, right? Because it's it's not oriented right. And you cannot remove certain branches. You just can't. Like so my northern spy, it's just a northern spy. So any branch I want to remove because it's, it's in the wrong place or whatever, I can just cut it off. But with those five yeah. trees, you are stuck. I mean, I got one branch that's two feet off the ground. It's underneath the whole tree, and if I want Honeycrisp, that branch is the Honeycrisp branch. Um, 
you know so that is what i do not like about them you have almost you know, no options for pruning whatsoever you, you sort of you got to work with them and this would work really well with your no prune approach i suppose yeah. start with those trees because it, it's a it's kind of a good introduction the choice of cultivars isn't I, I gotta say it's not the best because they just do the ones people want to buy what they know and you need to know that most of the fruit you know about are the worst know, ones to grow exactly i think you talk about that in your video too um yes um actually we're not going to talk about it here but I, i'd love to have you back to talk about um you know what's that called grafting uh, i'd love to talk about grafting do you have videos on? i guess that's a better question do you yep. have videos yeah, on grafting? a few of them yeah okay we All did right. one good one this spring just grafting with the grafting tool because that's what i really recommend yeah. if people start don't start with a knife there it's it's the most dangerous if you're not you know really proficient with an and i'm talking a kitchen knife but i'm talking you know like to whittle uh it's it's pretty dangerous it's pretty dangerous grafting with a knife people say oh come on you know i've done yes because you've done it and but you look at people who've grafted for a long time take show let you know let them see their your hands and <laughs> you will see some serious scars on there i have and the so, hardest time i do not my actually i'm still i am going to ask you since i got you on here <laughs> i can't resist it I have the hardest, I've tried it twice and I failed both times. I haven't filmed any of this because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, I think I did a good graft, but I think, uh, I can't remember, the name's not coming to mind. The The branch you removed to be grafted, there's a name for that. The um, uh, Scion. Scion. I do not understand when to cut that off. And I've done what people have said. You put it in a bag and put it in your freezer and then you graft it and nothing happens. Not in the freezer, though, in or the fridge. fridge. Sorry, the fridge. So what time of year do you cut that off? As long as it's dormant, which means the bud has not begun to swell and especially hasn't opened to show you any green. So you can, in our area, we can still cut that if and we can graft the same day as long as it's limited. Early May is usually the limit in our area. April right. works well. You could still do it where you take it off and you graft it right away. Ah. But usually, uh, because I'll be doing, say, a few hundred sometimes, so I will harvest them mostly in March, which is when I'm pruning anyway. Yeah. So when you're pruning, and ideally when there's snow on the ground, so your, your sap hasn't really begun to rise much, that's a good time. Then you but just you don't. Do, do you take those and you you put them in a plastic? Do you, is there anything special? Do you wrap it and no? Actually, I used something? to wrap it, and in fact, I even did a video on how to store it. And you have a video on had, that. Yeah, somebody told me that the way of wrapping because I I had learned to wrap it like vegetables, but they've been finding that um, basically wrapping them dry, just putting them dry in a bag, they they will keep. As long as you put them in water before grafting with them, they'll reabsorb the water. But if you put them in a wet paper towel, which is what I used to do, you do get quite a few of them will mold and then that won't work. So anyway, there's different everything in, in grafting. I call it it's like cooking. You know, you have a recipe. If you have a recipe that works, then work with it. Don't mess with it. Somebody has given you a good recipe, do that, and you'll have good success. So because you, it takes a while to get the, the little details of what makes it work better. Exactly. 
So you cut them in March. Let's just yep. say, let, let's do a recipe here. You cut them in right. March. You put them in a plastic bag. You put them in your refrigerator. Put them in the crisper where you keep your vegetables because that's humidity. a little moister. Yep. Now, let's say in, in April, I'm going to graft these on. Uh, you're saying take them out of the fridge and then put them in water like you'd put roses in a vase sort of thing? Right. Do, are they in water at room temperature? Are they in water overnight for how long? And at what, uh, do I want them in water outside, inside, in my garage, in the fridge? Yeah, because usually when I'm grafting, I want them... I want them, it might be sunny day, so I want them sitting in some water. So I'll put an inch or two in the bottom of a small bucket, right. and I'll just carry them around in that. I'm not just carrying some dry pieces of wood. So Are they in the water overnight? If they're really dried up, right. like if they look like they're starting to shrivel, then I would do it overnight. Okay. But otherwise, if they've been kept fairly moist, uh, just as long as you put them in in the morning and then as you're grafting either in the morning or the afternoon. Is it important to know where's the bottom and where's the top? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they don't grow upside down very okay, well. Maybe. Could, buds, could be what I did wrong right there. Well, the know. buds are oriented, the buds are so they're oriented, always yes. pointed up towards the... Right. Always pointed up. So that's important. It's, it's when you're, when you, not only when you're putting them in the soak, but when you're grafting them on, you don't want to graft them on backwards. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's actually, it, you know, it, I, I try to encourage people, just try some. I have it, to try it this year. I, I, I it's meant not to do it that this hard, but it's the mystery of it. It's like, oh, I don't know. I look at it as, in French, we say, habitant. It was, the, it was a peasant practice. Like, every peasant knew how to graft. Right. And so it's not something that's that complicated everybody used to do it's it an, an illiterate man could teach his illiterate kid how to do it uh, <laughs> so as long as you're not illiterate about grafting so that's the <laughs> exactly. thing you gotta you gotta just if you've seen it done and watch a few videos really that's what i'd say yeah watch a few videos watch one of mine on using the grafting tool from this spring that was a good one because it shows you step by step it's fairly long video but it it's really, look, here's how you do it. This is the step, then this, then this, then this. And it, it's really quite simple. Once you've tried, and in that video, I, I did an English and a French one. I think the French one, I even show a demo of two people that I was showing how to do it, and they did some. Right. So you could see that, okay, you know, I'm not quite sure. But, and, but it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. Once you've done a few, I say once you've done 50, you think, well, I'm never going to do 50. So just take some branches, sit down in your living room, and just practice. You practice. don't have to be doing it. Uh, you don't uh, have to do it in on your tree. Don't do your first one on your tree because right. you might only have two branches of cyan wood. And you don't want to waste your precious branches for practice. So take some branches that you pruned off your tree, sit down, and practice, and just practice. And it's like any technique, you know, a brain surgeon, you don't want to get him on his first brain surgery. No. But after he's done 50, he could almost do it with his eyes closed. Yeah, well, it's yeah. the same with grafting. <laughs> That's I certainly, I want to take uh, some of those, uh, the Honeycrisp off of the bottom yeah. branch of my five tree and graft them onto my, uh, my uh, northern spy. Uh, yeah, up nice and high where they can get beautiful sun and, and you know. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a very poor choice because Honeycrisp is one of these uh, least vigorous trees. It doesn't grow very vigorously. Really? 
And so you always want to graph that high. You want to graph it ideally on the leader so it will get maximum amount of energy. Yes. Because otherwise it just, it'll languish. It's, that's, that's what, what it does. You know, growers are finding that it's, you have to, like even for rootstock, let's say you want a semi-dwarf, well, plant it on a standard tree because it'll give you a semi-dwarf. Or if you want a dwarf, plant it on a semi-dwarf rootstock and it'll give you a dwarf because it's, it's one level down in its vigor. So oh, anyway. that's, that's a useful tidbit right there. Um, all right, next question. We, that, we beat the hell out of that question and we're going way over time here, but I might, I might actually break this into two, vit, two, two podcasts because this is uh, uh, longer than I planned. Um, we had a couple more questions here. So this is from uh, uh, Maria uh, Fluger. I'm going to guess yep. this pronunciation of her last name. Um, which apple tree uh, cultivars are are best uh, best disease and drought resistant? Um, very important to know for a sustainable home. Go with the Nova Scotia ones. If you're in Nova Scotia, Nova Mac, right? Nova Easy Grow, and Nova Spy. Start with those three. I mean, they're, they're locally well-adapted uh, trees and they're disease-resistant. So start with disease-resistance by all means. And then there's a whole series, any of them that have PRI in them. So that could be Priscilla, that could be Primate, that could be uh, Primavera. Okay. You know, Enterprise, PRI. What's, all the PR, of those. what's that all about? It's the three universities that collaborated in developing a whole series of disease-resistant uh. apple trees. So it was P is Purdue, R is Rutgers, and I was uh, Indiana, University of Indiana. So I these see. three schools had a, a co-op program where they cooperated to develop these scab-resistant, but not just scab, because some of it is uh, cedar apple rust and so on. So you're, you're basically um, recommending modern uh, ecosystem specific cultivars like the, the cultivars that have been developed for where you are that have been developed to solve yeah. problems that exist where you, wherever you are um, in, in general yes and the old the old time ones not all the old time because some heirloom ones actually are heirloom but they are quite uh, they have some of them are quite a bit of disease susceptible but there are some heirloom ones that are that are at least disease tolerant, like even in a bad year, they won't get much scab. So look up how disease resistant that is to start with. It's unbelievable how different the results are because I started with a totally commercial cultivars. We had 11 cultivars and they were all disease uh, susceptible. There were commercial cultivars, your Jersey Mac, like Jer anything that has Mac in it, run. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't even pick it up. Like Jersey Mac made the best firewood after just a few years because they just died. You know, if you don't protect those things, they're going to die. Right. Uh, Macintosh, forget it, run. And so out of those, we had one, two that were, not resistant, but that were the least less tall, uh, more tolerant. So that was our uh, Spartan and Paula Red. Right. And those two, although they're, they're good and they still produce and we have still some of those trees, they're now the most disease 
susceptible in the new orchard because the others are disease uh, resistant. Right. So it's quite amazing to see the difference. We went from the best trees we had to now they're the sort of looking like the worst trees. I'm always amazed. Uh, it happens a lot here in Nova Scotia. You'll be driving um, down the road, usually in a rural area, and you'll see an apple tree growing in a ditch. And it's full of apples, and they actually look pretty good. Um, yep. and there's no disease on them. Um, you know, and it, it could be just almost like a, a weird cross like almost like a, a random variety, or or it could be from some farm that was there 200 years ago, some weird variety, you know. Well, let me say, we did quite a bit of prospecting before we put in the nursery and for the nursery. And if you do see that, if you're driving and you see a nice apple tree and you look and you go, wow, this is, this year it's, it's, there's been a lot of rain and this tree has no scab on it. And then if you try the fruit and you're in the right time and you go, wow, this is good fruit, please note it down and please look up how to graft and then please get some of that wood. Yes. Because if that is a seedling tree, because in the ditch probably wasn't planted on the in the ditch, it's like an apple someone threw in the ditch that exactly just, it's and all new variety basically. It, it it's a unique tree, but if it's that good, uh, I kick myself because I once found one hiking. Somebody had probably thrown away a Granny Smith, and I found a a Granny Smith lookalike growing in a sandy site in august so granny smith is a very long season and these were producing in august and i thought my god this is so i was hiking and we were camping so i took a few branches we could have done bud grafting but by the time i got home it had gotten too warm it had shriveled and it wasn't usable but there are trees that sometimes are really worth noting and and collecting because hey nothing beats easy yeah yeah well, and uh, I think if it's easy, it's easy. And people, a lot of people don't realize that in an apple tree, like if you have a Macintosh apple, that's one tree. There's like yep. one tree somewhere in Europe that tasted good that was that. And every Macintosh ever was from that one tree. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. They're all clones. There are mutations. Yes. So anyway, like Macintosh has several mutations now, uh, but it's like millions of that same tree. So if you find one that's really good, multiply it. Yeah. It's not that hard, but it's well worth doing. You can't stick a fruit tree like you would stick a, a current cutting. You know, it's, it won't work very well, it, but you can graft it. Right. All right, next question. Oh, darn, I hit my microphone. Uh, this is from Viola McShannon. She says, uh, I watch this channel all the time. Uh, I can't wait for your podcast. Okay, great. Um, so the question is, uh, I have a seven-year-old pear tree. It blooms in the spring. It's supposed to be self-pollinating, but didn't set fruit this year. Um, this, I think we were talking about this earlier. Um, last year when it did, most, most of them fell off. Um, the rest were tiny. What can I do to get good fruit? Get a partner for it. That's what we were talking about before. It's, that's a typical indication. If the fruit are falling off, means there all the seeds weren't pollinated, so it's an improper pollination. So that tree is like, okay, you know, if there's one seed only in this fruit, just abort the fruit, and that's what's happening. It's not forming because the flesh only forms around the seed. So if the seeds weren't pollinated, then there's very little flesh forming around them. Right, right. So don't don't believe the hype 
uh, it's it may be self-pollinating, but it's not doing a very good job of it. So well, they are. <laughs> there can be some, and there are some, but it it always means that they'll do far better if they do have another one. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, next question is from uh, Mickey McCurt Merk Mickey Merkudgeon. Um, so yeah, he's got a number of questions here. Uh, first one is, uh, what do you think of the back to Eden style of apple tree pruning demonstrated by Paul Gauchy? Have you seen this this uh, film? Are you aware? I, aware I of haven't this? seen his pruning technique. I have seen in his uh, back to Eden things. I've saw his orchard and so on, and like it wouldn't be what I would do. Like he he's he it, it is a way of doing it and I, again you have to put things in context if it's in your yard and you have two fruit trees go for it you can do anything when i'm pruning and i'm putting up thousands of trees yeah, you've got thousands yeah. then no i'm not gonna spend if i have to spend more than five minutes on a tree like i'm wondering why don't i just put the chainsaw to this tree like it <laughs> <laughs> which if it was in my yard i could spend two hours on it yes so yes. that's where you know put things in context and well, yes go ahead try it do it but just remember that anytime a branch is horizontal it will produce less suckers but if it suckers it's probably because one it's over pruned and and so that tree hasn't reached its its height yet so it's trying to get back to the height that that tree should be at mm. Anyway, there's so much. Uh, that's why I really sh want to get this pruning film finished right. because there are so many questions about pruning. And it's just a matter of understanding why a tree does it. Because once you understand that, pruning becomes really easy. Like you, you see something and you know why it's doing that. But if you don't know why, you're going to probably do a mistake. Like I show people how to, I call it taming the suckers. Because I've seen trees that have been badly pruned and the the suckers come up like hair on a dog's back. Like right. it's just, it's suckers everywhere. Yes. So there is a technique they showed us and, and it's how to tame the suckers and you don't cut anything. You think, well, aren't you cutting suckers? No, you don't cut suckers because if you cut it, you'll get two or three the next year. So cutting is the worst thing to do on a sucker. So the French showed us you, first of all, you can just pull it off. So you just yank it because it's like it takes it out by the root and then you don't get it happening quite as much. But the other thing you do is where you have suckers, you just bend it. So you put your hand on it and you break one to the left, one to the right, one to the left, one to the right. And you go along a branch and you just put your hand on and you bend them. You think, well, they're going to crack. Yes, some of them will crack, some will die. But it doesn't matter because once you've bent it, that branch, see, so yeah, if it was a sucker and then it gets bent. So you take your hand and you put it and you crack it. Now it's horizontal. What do you think that branch is going to do? It's going to be a fruit branch now? Exactly. So it goes from being, you know, it wants to go to the sky, and now it goes, oh, I have to produce fruit because I'm horizontal. And oh. you see those trees that have been worked over like that, and you go, oh, my God, in two years, that tree is loaded with fruit, where, where in the past you could never tame those suckers because if you cut them, you're going to get the worst reaction to it. So anyway. One thing, <laughs> or one thing, one thing Paul Gauchi does is that he um, – What's that called? He doesn't leave a, um, you know, like a lot of pruning says you you gotta you gotta leave a what's it called? I'm using the word stump, but it's the wrong word, um, a collar. So 
the classic advice is don't cut the collar. He, he cuts everything off flush with the main stem. He does. He, he removes the collar, removes the whole thing. Um, and he argues that the tree will heal back around that. And I've tried and it seems to work, but I'm not running an orchard. Yeah, um, I've so, got a bunch of trees now with cavities right. where that's what I did. Because in the early years, and I didn't know, and I was just running the chainsaw down the trunk almost. Right. And all of those trees... For the beginning, you think it's going to heal up. But once you cut that collar, uh, what happens is it takes so long for the, the surrounding bark to grow back around grow back, yeah. that the inside rots before it closes. Right. So those are the trees where the chipmunks live and the chickadees nest. <laughs> so if you want to create bird habitat and stuff, that's <laughs> do it that way. You want that in your tree. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, his next question is, uh, do russet apple trees... Uh have to be pruned differently than other apple trees, do they tend to set their fruit spurs at the tips of last season's new growth? Yeah, they are tip uh, bears. That's the one tree of apple that I'm still learning. Like I've I've kind of been stumped with russet. Really? I, I have russet that we planted quite a bit of russets and it's one that the first years, it, it doesn't respond like, like the other trees. And so it's taken me a while, it grows yeah. So sorry, uh, Mickey, I can't answer it really well just because I haven't learned it really well yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I get fruit and this year I'm getting a lot more and I'm getting a lot more fruit in the block where I don't prune. Right, right. So what happens is the branches grow, 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 and then they start to produce. And because they pr produce at the tip, it pulls the branch down naturally. Pulls so if down. you pruned... Anytime you prune a branch, it's going to stiffen. And if you prune it and it stiffens, then it just keeps growing out rather than being able to bend. So it's all these pruning is, is it's such an un, uh, ununderstood thing. Right. Um, what was the last one here? Um, when, pruning, when, pruning. when pruning, how large a diameter branch can you cut off at the collar of the branch before you have to stop expecting it to be able to heal itself over? Heal itself over. I'd say doesn't matter what size your fruit tree is, you can cut off a branch. I'm not talking about the trunk, but a branch, even if it's six or eight inches or ten inches, you can cut it off. It may take ten years to heal. But if you cut it off properly, and I say properly being when in doubt, cut it a little longer right. and the tree will show you if you haven't cut into the collar and you left it too long, you'll see there's no healing happening over. So then the next year you can come back and cut it because you'll start to see the collar appear. Then you can come back and cut it right. properly. And I guess a good uh, sharp saw and all that sort of stuff is, uh, is useful too. Uh, his last question, some of my apple tree branches uh, have very small white bracket-like fungi growing on them, or fungi. Do you have any idea what what it is and what I should do about it, if anything? I'm not comfortable using uh, toxic uh, chemicals. Bracket fungi, I mean, it, it's, it's shelf fungi, likely. And so they're just showing you that the inside of that branch, you may have a live... Your, your outside, your cambium is live, but there was something happened. Probably what most cases happen is you had a big branch and you decided I'm going to cut it off there. 
So that is very hard to heal if you cut a branch and, and you just leave it like that. You always cut where there is a branch so it can close up that gap. But if you just cut it because you say, oh, it's growing too close to the house, now I'm going to cut it here. That's a perfect entryway because it's not going to close over for fungi to enter the core. And then you'll have branch fungi, which means the inside of that branch is uh, affected by fungi. And so that will fruit coming out in, in different places. So it's not something that's going to spread to the whole tree because a tree compartmentalizes any damage and it will basically wall off even that branch so that it's not going to go down the trunk and so on. Hmm. It will isolate that branch. So if worst case, you just cut that whole branch off. I see. All right. Uh, next question is from, we've got two more questions here. Uh, Mike Boom says, uh, my son-in-law has a very old apple tree that needs to be trimmed back. How should he go at it? Heavy at once or all in stages or in stages? Yeah, certainly in stages. In stages. Don't yes. do all at once. Your, your golden rule is no more than a third. That doesn't mean a third of the branches. It means a third of the volume. Right. Yes. So you have a big tree and it has 10 branches, but three of the branches are... 70% of the volume. So you see that you can't say, oh, well, I can take three branches because if you take those three, you're taking off 70% of the volume of the tree. So you right. can't do it all in one year. What I do is I look, look the tree over in the spring or in the winter yeah. when it's really obvious. And I just go with take off the most vertical branch first. And that's probably some of the biggest branches. So you think, well, I'm not going to take that big branch off. Well, you know, if you have two big branches reaching, they are actually like racing each other for who's going to get the sun. Right. And so your tree is going higher and higher and higher. Once you have one, one branch that is the top and is the dominant, now it's easy for it to bend over and limit the tree. Once a tree is bent over, it won't grow any higher. Like right. once the top bends, that's it. In fact, in orchards, you'll see they have a top wire and they'll often bend the top and tie it because they don't want it to go higher than that. And that's... you can't hold the tree to that that height. Yes, yes. That's kind so, of what I've done in mine. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot four and I can reach about eight feet high and I basically bent the top so that it's, yeah. uh, you know, and again, I'm not in your situation. I've only got um, four trees so I can, I can, do all kinds of weird experiments and figure around with them because I haven't got uh, 400 trees. <laughs> but that, no, that's absolutely, if you tie that top branch or when they do flower, you'll know when the tree has reached its maximum because when you see that, that top have flowers right on the top there, then you know that that tree has reached its maximum height. It's mature, it's producing right at the top. And if anything, that's its highest time it'll ever be is in that spring because once those fruit start to weigh it down those top branches will actually start coming down and the tree will get a little shorter right 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 and the next year it should pull it down a little more right that makes a lot of sense um a question from uh, mary ali our fruit orchard is three years old the apple trees have some fruit this year and it looks like um I think that's where every apple has been attacked by pests. I'm looking for ideas. 
you want a good idea, go with what I suggested before. Get all the compost you can scrounge up from your yard. If you don't have enough, buy a few bags of compost and buy a couple of bags of ideally basalt rock dust. Mix the two in a five to one or four to one ratio, four bags or five bags of compost to one bag of rock dust and give that tree a coating of about one to two inches all around that tree. Mm. Cause you're talking a garden. So you can do this. I mean, I buy, I buy rock dust by the tractor trailer load and I've used, but 40, you know, 40 tons on several acres is not as much as you could put on a tree in your backyard. Right, right, right. So if you have a lot of pests, there's some stressor to the tree. I'd say do that because that you don't have to have checked anything. But if you did that and that year and the year after there's still no improvement, then most likely that tree is sitting in water. Mm, yeah. So the stress is that tree is lacking oxygen because right. water drives out oxygen. If a tree's a tree won't root below water. It's not a pond dweller. So its, and so, it's roots are getting suffocated. Exactly. Um, and it's not animal. getting oxygen and the, the lack of oxygen is attracting pests. That makes sense. But you can also test that. Just take a, take a shovel and dig a hole. If you can't get to three or four feet around your fruit tree because there's water, then that's why. Like that's, no matter that's, what that's you my do. Whole, that's my whole garden. Uh, basically, if you go down a foot, you're in the water. <laughs> so, well, you better work on your raised beds. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just just where you know what, where it is, sort of thing. But uh, yeah, for me, that's uh, it's nothing I can do about it. Hopefully, the trees can just figure out a way to. But I, I yeah, maybe just per, beset by pests forever. Um, uh, last question is from uh, Bailey, uh, Suzanne Bailey. Um, what to do about cedar rust? Cedar rust is uh, actually it's a disease that has a host, which is the junipers. And I don't know in Nova Scotia how many junipers you have. We have juniper here. Okay, so that's the host tree. So if you have juniper in your yard, then if you have an apple tree that is susceptible to cedar apple rust, uh, it can have cedar apple rust because of the juniper. Well, what do you do? Do you cut down the juniper tree? Probably not because it could be a shrub. And you probably won't cut it. Um, what I would say is if it's a tree that has it every year, then try overgrafting, which means graft some of the branches with some uh, rust-resistant cultivars. Uh, yeah. So that's one way. That way, overgrafting is great. Like I, I, sh I did a big mistake in the early years as I tore out my orchard. I should not have torn out the trees because I had a basically a 25-year root on those trees. I think you mentioned and, this in your, in your film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was something that I shouldn't have done. But hey, I learned the hard way when I found out that in France, they overgraft complete orchards and a team of three people can do uh, a hectare a day so that's like what you know you can transform a hectare of orchard and you will get fruit in three years if yeah. you overgraft yeah because you got a mature root system you know like and and uh, you know really really you can't get better root stock and you know think about how many roots are down there right and and they've been there they're they're good with that spot yeah yep. that's really good advice yeah 
Well, uh, Stefan, uh, this has just been great having you on the show. Uh, hopefully we can have you on again. Um, people that are listening, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, you like this sort of content, and um, there's information about my sponsors in the show notes. If you're on YouTube, check out the description box. If they sell something that you need and you want to help support this channel, buy that thing from them, and that'll help continue to make this possible. Uh, Stefan, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. I know my viewers do as well. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Greg. Great. <laughs> Everyone out there, thanks for listening once again. And uh, until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, Stefan. This was wonderful. 